Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Our text this morning will be found in verses 14 through verse 17. Welcome, welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. You sound wonderful as we together get to sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's our Father we're singing about. Ten years ago this very weekend, Prince William and Kate were married. Osama bin Laden got shot. Larry Fink turned 50 years old. And I preached my first sermon as your pastor at Big Woods Bible Church. You, you know... You know what that means? Larry Fink is 60. But <laughs> what, what a blessing it has been for me to be your shepherd. The Lord is good. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we dive into just an amazing text of Scripture this morning? Let's pray. Father, we are... Delighted, thrilled, amazed, blessed to sing of your holiness. And to know, Lord, that at this very moment we have full access to you. Even, as Matt just shared, even in spite of our own sinfulness. We can come directly to you because of Jesus. And we come in his name. Father, with this word now opened up before us, I would pray that you would speak, that we would hear. I plead for help. Please guide my words, my mouth. May everything that is said and done this morning be for your glory. We give you praise for many answers to prayer that we have seen. We, we thank you, Lord, for the graduating seniors from college, the way that you've gifted them. And we pray, Lord, that you would use each of them to do great things for your kingdom. Bless them. Bless us as a church. May you speak and may we hear. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The entire book of Romans is based in a sense on the Apostle Paul, who is the author, writing to a church at Rome to, to clear up some like confused doctrine. So we have learned, hopefully, by the point we get to chapter 8, about the doctrine of justification, where we have been declared righteous before God. This is an act of God through the work of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done. We've looked at the doctrine of sanctification, where we are being set apart, made holy. Again, an act of God through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are all, what, in route to... And we'll see this even today, glorification, a gift that has been given to us. We are made complete from God the Father. We have responsibility along the way. We talked about that last week. We have to what, put to death the deeds of the flesh, this, this idea of mortification. I, I read this week, Romans chapter 8, one commentator described the journey through Romans 8 as strolling through the supermarket of gospel blessings. And I love that. We have um, verses 14 through 17 before us. The words will be in front of you. Reading from the 
English Standard Version, the word of the Lord. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provide it, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. All of the blessings of Romans 8, and today there is even more. We will see there is great favor in God's family. I don't really think that we pause on this long enough. We need to pause on this enough to think of all that God has in store for us, the plans that God has for your life. We're clueless, like what's next, but God has all of that aligned, arranged. The details of our lives, the provisions, the counsel, thus what? The need for us to communicate this, I think, with joy and gladness and excitement whenever we get opportunity to speak about the truth of the gospel. What is that like? One time my mom was shopping. We were on vacation up in Maine and, and one of like a little boutique or I don't know souvenir shop and 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 she was struck she found two hand carved wooden candlesticks that she was kind of struck with them they were very beautiful she picked them up to to look underneath at the price I wonder how much this is going to cost and and on the little orange bright orange tag it said free She picked up the other candlestick, and there was a bright orange tag that said, free. She's like, this is odd. And so she took them to the counter, and she said, excuse me, I have a question. You are are a business, correct? And she's like, was there a mistake? Like, these are marked free. Lady behind the counter smiled and said, no, we just wanted to know if anyone would notice. I want to know if anyone would ever ask about them. They're yours if you want them. Mom took them. You know, I'm reminded in a sense of the gospel. Great worth, great beauty, great value. But what? It is intended for us to receive, to ask about, to inquire. This is for us. These four verses right here in Romans chapter 8, I want you to think about, they, they, they are kind of like a hinge. They close the section of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. That's verses 1 through 13. We're just about to look at the Holy Spirit's future offering of hope, 18 through 30. And right here, these, these kind of hinge in between, a transition. And it just speaks about who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. These verses before us speak about what the blessings of what it means to be in God's family. Just stop on that for a moment. All that God has in store for us. Number one, we have been adopted. We've been adopted by our 
Heavenly Father. We, in a sense, have been given an identity that we did not have before. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You receive the Spirit, it says in verse 15, of adoption. What does the word adopt mean? To adopt. Adoption is the act or the action or fact of legally taking another's child and bringing he or she up as one's own. It is the act or fact of choosing to take up. Adoption is what is a beautiful picture of the sheer value and worth of the gospel. Huathesia is the word in Greek. It means literally to have or to hold the place of a son, of a daughter. This one word, adoption, is used five times in all of the New Testament. Once in Galatians, once in Ephesians, three times in the book of Romans. Twice right here in Romans chapter 8. Growing up, one of my best friends was adopted. And I really, in all honesty, didn't fully understand. As I was a young one, like I didn't fully know and, and, and see what it meant until I watched the way that he was, what? He was given everything. He was given everything. He received all of the love, all of the blessings, all of the comforts. He was given a new name. He had a whole new life. He enjoyed the protection of his family, the provision of his family. But what I thought was also interesting is that he was given a lot of responsibility. He was now the older brother. He had a younger sister. He had the responsibility to take care of his younger sister. He still had work to do. He still had chores to do. He's part of the family. You receive the blessings, but you're going to contribute as well. That's, in a sense, a really good picture of us. We are what? Orphans. Homeless and hopeless. Waiting for a new home, a new family, a new name, a new identity, new blessing. As we read this morning, there's really interesting detail. I think that we miss a lot of time. In verse 14, it says that we're called the sons of God. Sons were the one in that particular culture that would receive the inheritance. We also, together, could say what we are the sons and the daughters of God. In verse 16, it says that we are the children of God. In verse 17, if we're children, then heirs. And I want you to note something in that that I think we very easily overlook. A basic identity question is not only who I am, but did you pick up on this fact? It's about who we are. You see, every one of these terms, what they're the plural form. It's sons. It's children. What does this imply? Togetherness. Closeness. It denotes the idea of family. It doesn't matter about your background. It doesn't matter about your ethnicity. It doesn't matter about the fact that you're tall or short or rich or poor. We have all been led by the same Spirit to the same Father. And it speaks of what? Something that is tremendously important today, and that's commonness or closeness. What I would call a sweetness of fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ, or koinonia. I asked the little ones this morning, what, what, is, what does a family do together? Like that, what, what makes us a family? How does a family act? Families eat together. 
They laugh together. They cry together. They worship together. They forgive one another quickly. We love unconditionally as family. We sacrifice for one another. We protect one another. We encourage, build up, edify, or we want exhort and admonish. The blessings of family are endless. I want to encourage you this morning. Wherever you feel that you are kind of tucked away by yourself. No one cares. No one hears. No one knows. I want to remind you that you are not. You are not in this thing alone. In a world and a time right now where what? More people are lonely than ever before. More people are isolated and separated and fragmented than ever before. Do you see here, do you hear the importance and the beauty of adoption, the value of family? If you have received the gift of God's Son by faith, then we have the same Father. In moments where you think, what, I'm, I'm all alone, or what, I'm, I'm lacking. Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit who obviously is speaking to you and telling you and calling you to be part of the family of God because there is no way, there is no excuse for anyone to ever be in the family of God and feel isolated, feel alone. Not only have we been adopted by our Father, we've been given access to our Father. Not only have we been given what this idea of an identity, but we've been given intimacy, closeness. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba. This is not the take a chance on me, Abba, okay? Just so you know. Abba, Father. This verse speaks directly not only about a closeness, a familiarity, being comfortable in the presence of, but actually it speaks of a boldness to come close to, to come near our holy, heavenly Father. Not only positionally, but practically. Look, look here at all the blessings that adoption has in store for the family of God. What is it that holds? Specifically, it says that you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Well, there's a word that we have heard much, much of. A lot of fear in this world. Whereas this morning we are reminded, we are encouraged with the many blessings that we're taking off what? The shelves of Romans chapter 8. Favor with God frees you from the fears of this world. You, you've been adopted. You realize who your father is? Favor, closeness, intimacy frees you. There's, no, there's nothing in this entire world to be, to be fearful of. Being in the family of God frees you from the fears of this world. The image that is given here is quite interesting. It takes us back to the story of Exodus. 
When Israel was in bondage and slavery in Egypt, they lived what? As slaves, they're constantly, they had to be constantly looking over their shoulder. What happens if? What if I do something wrong? They're in constant fear. Every step, every breath. Now we must ask, why is there nothing to fear? Why is there nothing to be afraid of? Especially when, excuse me, look around, there's a really lot of big bad stuff out there. There's dangerous stuff in this world. There's a dangerous enemy out there. Why is it that we don't have to be fearful? Here's, here's the answer. One word, access. We have access. We have 100% complete, open, total access 24-7 to the one true sovereign creator and ruler of all. Immediately when I think about that, I can't help, you know this, I've talked about it. One of my favorite texts in the Old Testament is Job chapter 38. Where God is reminding Job, excuse me, excuse me, where, where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? There's so many verses in Job chapter 38. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines the measurements? Surely you know. God is so sarcastic here with Job. Have you commanded the morning days since your days began? And what it's a reminder that Job is like what? Like us, like tiny, tiny, tiny. And God himself is asking, have you entered into the springs of the sea? Do you hold back? You walk in the recesses of the deep. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness? Have you entered the storehouses of snow? Like I hang there. God is saying, I have all of this control. Who has cleft the channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? You, Job? You see, we forget who our Father is. This morning in moments where we enjoy and reap the blessings of being in the family of God, favor with God. We see it all over the place. Why was it when I was a little child and, and, and something goes bump in the middle of the night? Like there is something living in that closet right there. Why is it I had not a bit of hesitation Nothing ever held me back from walking down the hallway to knock on my mommy and daddy's door and say, hey, excuse me, something's living in my closet. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Why was it that when Seth and Sarah were little and something went bump in the middle of the night, that there was no hesitation to walk down the hallway, knock on mommy and daddy's door and say, excuse me, there's something under my bed. It's big and it's ugly. Why? Why? Because there's, there's closeness. There's time together. We ate meals together all the time. We laugh together. We cry together. We take care of one another. We encourage one another. It's family. There's no hesitation. There's something comfortable about going to my father. Or have my son come to me. There's something, what, about this security, this safety, this relationship. That exists. There's such blessing that is lavishly being poured out. I love how Rachel, well, she was preaching it this morning. 
love how Rachel was saying, God is just so pleased with his own family. That is so true. You know me, I'm not going to let you off the hook. There is much family with being, there's much favor with being in God's family. So much that we can cry, Abba, Father. And I want you to just note here, stop for a moment. Just stop for a moment on that. Abba, Father, we've heard this. Abba. It's an Aramaic term for father. It, it connotes this idea of intimacy or tenderness, dependence and complete um, lack of fear or anxiety. And you've probably heard this before. It translates literally papa or daddy. Which again speaks of that closeness. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark chapter 14. He, what? he prays to his heavenly father, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Please remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want no doubt it speaks of a closeness but i also want to very clearly encourage you please be careful here please be respectful here as we cry out as a baby cries to our abba father yes it's closeness but please always remember you're not flippant here Remember who you're crying out to. The worship scene of all worship scenes in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Everything existed. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might Forever and ever. What I'm saying here is even though we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, don't forget to be respectful with how we do that. He's not your homeboy. Tuesday night we gather as a small group of men right here in the sanctuary for what is referred to as preaching lab. There's about half a dozen young guys, six guys. And we study texts together and, and they preach to empty seats. And, and we have this love relationship where we say, I love you, but you need to work on this. And, and it helps sharpen our skills as communicators. Gene Beyer has recently joined that group. The average age is like probably 25. And Gene and I are not around that age. And what I loved recently is that Uncle Gene, as the guys affectionately referred to him, said, I I'll, I'll preach and they can critique me. And I'm like, really? You really want to do that? This past Tuesday, Uncle Gene preached from Romans in chapter 5. Did a wonderful job handling the text as always. And before there was one word of any kind of careful critique spoken, I said, gentlemen, let me remind you of something. Let me remind you that this man was faithfully preaching the gospel before most of you were even born. You better be careful with the way you speak to him. You better be respectful with the way you speak to him. Yes, there's a closeness. We're brothers and sisters. And he's our Uncle Gene, but you respect the fact that he has earned the right. And you know, they are so gentle. 
and so careful and so loving. I think that's a wonderful picture that, yes, we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, but please, this is not a flippant, remember who you are speaking to. Closeness, intimacy, but be careful and respectful. Matthew Henry writes like this, men may give a charter of adoption, but it is God's prerogative when he adopts to give a spirit of adoption, the nature of children. The spirit of adoption works in the children of God, a filial love to God as a father, to delight in him and a dependence upon him as a father. A sanctified soul bears the image of God as the child bears the image of the father. As holy as God is, we get to approach him. I tell you what, we are to be holy as he is holy. We're to be careful with the way that we live and walk and minister. We've been adopted, given identity. We've been given access and intimacy or closeness. Thirdly and finally, we will be glorified with our Heavenly Father. We've been given an inheritance. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Him, suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. What, what is in store here? What awaits Think of all of the blessings that we have received. All of the favor that we enjoy. You realize this? The best is yet to come. All of the graces, the best is still out there. We've already moved from what we were. We were slaves to sin. We were servants to impurity. We, we have moved, we have gone from being in rebellion towards God, hostile towards God. We've gone to, from, from being in enmity with God to heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. An heir is defined as a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death. A person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. We've been given this. I know what you're thinking. Okay, I'm going to step ahead of you guys. I think I did my homework on this. Generally speaking, we have something in our world, in our society, that is what? Signed. It's signed, and it's in triplicate form. It's what? It's a last will and testament where everything is all set up. I, Timothy John Boger, being of sound mind and sound body, do bequeath to my oldest grandson, Denson Bogue, all of Pop Pop's coffee can collection. It's all yours. It's all yours. I love you. So, so we're like, like, how do we know? Like, where's our proof? We want it signed, sealed, and delivered. How do we know for certain? Tony Marita writes this, The Spirit is the first fruits of our inheritance, guaranteeing the harvest to follow. You realize the Holy Spirit has been given to us to seal us. We'll read that in just a moment in Ephesians chapter 1. Now remember it says also, Provide it. We suffer with him. And that's where like, excuse me, exit. Where's the exit? Where's the exit? 
We talked about this on Friday morning in our men's prayer. As we were kind of reading through this, I, I don't, when we talk about provided that we suffer, I, I don't think that means you have to die on a cross like Jesus. I don't think it means you have to die on a cross like Jesus. But it does mean you need to be willing to die on a cross for Jesus. You understand that? Big difference. You need to be willing to die on a cross for Jesus. Friday, Thursday afternoon, I had lunch with some pastors, five, six area pastors. And we were talking about how just things continue to tip. I mean, our society. And one of the pastors was literally almost in tears. He said, Tim, I, I, I think we're going to end up in jail. I think we're going to end up in jail. If we preach the full counsel of the Word of God, we're going to be locked up. And we see that all over. Willingness to suffer. I think a lot of us say, okay, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to die on a cross for Jesus. But many of you have a hard time making it to church if it rains outside. You realize that? I'm willing to suffer. No, no, really? Like, really? It doesn't take a whole lot for things to like scatter to corners because like, I don't know, this is really scary. No, there's nothing, there's nothing to be fearful about when we know who our Heavenly Father is. We've been adopted. Just listen to the blessings that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Listen to this, in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Later it says what? In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, listen to this, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You are sealed with the guarantee of God himself, the Holy Spirit, until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of of his glory. All of the greatness, all of the blessings, all of the favor, that is nothing to what is in store for you. To what lies ahead. You understand what's happening here? We, we get a glimpse later on, the latter part of, of Romans 8. We'll spend a lot of time on future glory, but until then, my dear family, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are longing for what? That, that koinonia, that sweetness, that fellowship, then today I would say, listen to the Holy Spirit drawing you and calling you unto himself and say, I'm in. I trust the fact that I am a sinner and that I am in great need of a Savior. There's only one, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the meantime, we know it's still challenging. But we have the Holy Spirit not only sealing us, but empowering us 
and enabling us in those moments when something goes bump in the middle of the night that we have complete access to cry with the most amount of respect. Abba. Father. Do you understand what is like rolled out here for us just in this text? Like we see, we see all the glories of the Trinity. Listen to this. God the Father adopts us, draws us close, offers us an eternal inheritance. God the Holy Spirit leads us and bears witness and seals us. We are the children of God with that inheritance. We see God the Son, Jesus Christ, who suffered for us and is alongside of us, interceding on our behalf until we enjoy that, what, divine, eternal favor and glory. Every part of the Trinity has been gifted to you. Sometimes I, I think we miss the idea we miss the idea of like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really feel, I don't feel very safe. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel. Well, this is a great reminder, not, not just of how we're to feel, what we know, who, who, who we are. Not just individually we have been adopted, but together we have been adopted. Therefore, as a, as a family, we have a responsibility, look left or right, Look in front of you, behind you, and say, how can I minister to you today? How can I encourage you? How can I show my love to you? You look like you're struggling. Can I pray with you? Is there a need that you have? That's what families do. We take care of one another. And as we take care of one another, we are a shining, shouting example to the rest of the world that says, what do they have that we don't? We're just graced with being adopted into the family of God and we have the same father who loves us unconditionally rejoice in the favor of being in God's family father we love you we are amazed at your patience with us bless us as we strive to be obedient we need your help we ask this in Jesus name